0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member FDIC.
2: This episode features dramatizations and discussions of kidnapping, sexual assault, and violence against children that some people may find offensive. We advise caution for listeners under 13. The palace of Eleusis glowed in the midday sun. The ruler, Celius, stepped outside to take in the city view. It was only a modest city, but it was prosperous, and the streets were fragrant with incense. From his palace, he could see farmers journeying to and from the market. The year's end would be bountiful. Just then, a mighty wind swept through the streets of Eleusis. When it reached Celius, it bit right through his skin. This was cold unlike any he'd ever felt before. Over the next few days, villagers came to cry at the throne of Celius. Their fields were barren. The cold had hardened the earth, and the crops already planted withered into fruitless stalks. His eldest daughter, Calliothi, turned to him, garments wrapped tightly around her quivering shoulders.
1: Is there anything that can be done? Surely if this cold persists, our people will starve.
2: I will
3: go pray to Demeter. Take your sisters and fetch water before it freezes.
2: Calliothi gathered her sisters, and together they made their way to a well called the Parthenion, or the Virgin's Palace. The normally bustling square was unusually empty by the time they arrived. Calliothi stopped dead at the sight of the well. Above the well grew an olive tree, the only green they'd seen in weeks. And beneath it, a shrouded woman was crying. She was old beyond measure. Her skin cracked and dry, like the parched farmlands just outside Eleusis.
1: Pardon me? Hello? Do you need help getting water?
2: Are you hurt? Where do you live? The old woman stirred and looked out from beneath her cloak. She may have been old, but her eyes were bright as a spring morning.
4: Greetings, children. Thank you for your concern. Is there a place within these walls that would house a bereaved mother?
2: The four young women escorted the crone back toward the city center. Little did they know, this old woman was the precise cause of the horrible drought. Welcome to Mythology on the Parcast Network. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. Today, we're focusing on Persephone, the daughter of Zeus and Demeter, goddess of the harvest. Persephone is the personification of vegetation and the cause of winter every year. New episodes of Mythology release every Tuesday, and you can find us and all of ParCast's podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. We also now have merch. Head to parcast.com slash merch for more information. Something to note in this episode, all Greek myths have many versions and variations. We've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Greek traditions. Persephone's most well-known story is that of her origin. In it, she's a young goddess snatched away from innocence and stolen from her doting mother. This story is historically referred to as the Rape of Persephone, and has been depicted numerous times in Western art under that same name. It's important to note, however, that this is an archaic use of the word rape. The origin of the word comes from the Latin rapare, which means to snatch, to grab, or to carry off. In many older forms of English, such as medieval English, the term was used interchangeably between sexual assault and kidnapping, two quite different levels of trauma. Persephone was a virgin maiden goddess before her kidnapping, and though every god on Mount Olympus sought to court her, she preferred the company of the female nymphs who served her mother. The crowd of nymphs scampered through the plains of Nyssa. They were Oceanids, spirits who presided over the natural world. At the center of the group was their dear friend, Persephone, who they called the one with the delicate ankles. Persephone was not an Oceanid, but the daughter of Demeter, goddess of the harvest. Demeter loved Persephone more than any fruit or flower, and would only leave her beloved daughter's side if she knew the Oceanid nymphs were there to look out for her. The nymph's task was to paint the flowers, assigning colors to each petal Demeter conjured from the earth. As they did this, they could not resist picking some for themselves.
1: But
4: why, Lady Persephone, did you send Apollo away the other day?
5: He's the kindest Olympian of them all. (laughs) The kindest Olympian is still an Olympian. Apollo swears fidelity, but would court one of his muses the second I look the other way. (laughs) Well, what about Hermes? I hear he pledged himself to you as well. You nymphs gossip too much. Besides, what would I want with a husband who is never home? I could not tie him down, and his winged shoes could not pull me away from my flowers. Or your mother. Or my mother. She loves me more than my father does, that's for sure. You mustn't say such things about Lord Zeus. (laughs) Mustn't I?
2: They continued through the fields, picking flowers as they went. Persephone could not wait to show Demeter what beautiful flowers she had painted and picked today. In her bundle were roses crocuses, iris blossoms, and hyacinth. But she soon forgot about all of them. Before her sprung a Narcissus flower of astonishing beauty, dazzling her eyes with golden light. She gave a quick prayer of thanks to Gaia, her grandmother, for letting her see such a sight. But Gaia was silent. The flower was her doing, but not her request. It was a favor for one of her sons. As Persephone reached toward the Narcissus, the earth opened up around her. The nymphs fled, disappearing into the breeze like leaves in the wind. But Persephone did not move. She did not even scream. She remained rooted to the spot as the chasm widened. Persephone watched four horses emerge from the earth, pulling a massive golden chariot behind them. And then she saw its occupant, the eldest son of Cronos, known by many names, Hades Agasilaus, Lord of the Underworld. He reached out and seized Persephone by the waist, lifting and depositing her onto the chariot behind him. As the horses reared to plunge back into the earth, Persephone finally found her voice to scream. Zeus did not hear her, but when Persephone's cries reached Demeter, the goddess of the harvest felt her heart begin to break. Abandoning everything, she flew to the plains of Nyssa to save her daughter. When Demeter finally reached the plains, all was still. There was no chasm in the earth, and the flowers were undisturbed. However... Listening closely, she could still hear Persephone's screams echoing on the breeze. Demeter heard someone approaching behind her and wheeled around. She found herself face to face with three women, attached at the back to form a strange circular person. This was Hecate, goddess of crossroads and witchcraft.
1: What happened here, Hecate? I heard your daughter and the oceanids frolicking past my cave. A moment later, I heard a scream and they were all gone. I did not see what had befallen her, but I felt the earth shake. Whatever came for your daughter was powerful. If you're withholding information from me... This is all I know, I swear. I adore your daughter and would never wish to see her harmed. Let me help search for her.
2: In no mood to refuse help, Demeter allowed Hecate to come with her. Together they scoured the earth, searching every cave and plain for the missing maiden. For weeks this went on. Their search eventually led them to the only possible witness, Helios, god of the sun. Working above the earth, he saw everything and was able to report that Persephone had been kidnapped by Hades. Helios had been unable to stop it, or even come find Demeter, for if he stepped off of the chariot pulling the sun, every life on earth would die. After hearing her daughter's fate, Demeter flew to Mount Olympus. She found Zeus at dinner with a mortal man sitting across the table from him. His name was Tantalus. But she paid him no mind as she rounded on the Lord of Thunder.
4: Persephone has been taken by your older brother.
3: (laughs) About time Hades found himself a queen. I was worried for him.
4: Do not mock me, Zeus. My daughter was abducted by— You mean
3: our daughter.
4: You knew. You gave Persephone away to the Lord of the Dead.
3: It is my right as a father to choose who she weds. My brother is honest and fair, and will treat her- Your
4: brother lives among corpses. Persephone needs to be on the surface with flowers and fields and- And you. I will go to the underworld and tear her from Hades myself if I have
3: to. Your roots don't grow that deep, Demeter. Do not make empty threats to me. I gave my daughter to Hades, and that is the end of it. I intend to honor my bargain.
4: You will regret making such a bargain. Mark my words. Soon you will be begging Hades to release her.
2: With that, Demeter strode out of the banquet hall, leaving Zeus to wonder what she meant with that cryptic statement. Coming up, we'll see how Persephone reacted to her sudden and aggressive kidnapping and how her mother worked to force Zeus's
0: hand. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness
2: Persephone clutched onto the back of Hades' chariot as it plunged deep into the earth. She watched the sky dwindle into a pale blue dot as the ground closed over their heads. Her eyes adjusted to the darkness, but there wasn't much to see. She could just make out the dull glitter of mineral veins running past them like rivers through the cold stone walls. The horse's hooves rushed over the rock with practiced lightness, as if they'd been bred to make this journey. Growing dizzy, she fixed her gaze on the back of her captor's head. Dark and implacable, he only glanced over his shoulder occasionally, and when he did, he'd whip his head back as if embarrassed to meet her gaze.
5: What do you want with me?
2: Hades did not answer her. Did he even hear what she said? Suddenly, the horses slowed to a steady trot. The rock around them expanded into a gloomy underground cavern. Beneath them, an underground river of inky black water flowed. She had heard of this place, but as a deathless goddess, she never thought she'd find herself here. They passed the river Styx. Or was it the Acheron, the river of pain? She could never keep the two straight. Squinting her eyes, she could see the fairy lolling in the water behind them. The ferryman Charon stood at the prow, guiding the vessel onward. And then it was gone, outpaced by Hades' steeds. Persephone almost screamed again, but her voice caught in her throat. Looming ahead of them was a monstrous hound, with three giant heads staring down at her with bared teeth. A mane encircled all three. As the figure grew closer, she realized the mane was not made of hair, it was a mane of snake heads winding from the hound's scruff.
3: Welcome, fair Persephone, to the underworld.
5: Please, don't.
3: Don't worry. Cerberus has already eaten. He's actually quite a pleasant beast once you get to know him. See? I think he likes you already.
2: As the chariot passed the monstrous dog, Persephone heard a mighty thudding coming from behind it. Then she realized it was the dog's tail slapping against the stones. Ahead of the chariot, Persephone saw Hades' palace, a dark structure rising from the earth until it melted into the stalactites on the ceiling.
3: This is your new home.
5: My home? What would I do here?
3: Rule. I want you to be my queen.
5: I want to see my mother.
3: Lady Demeter is welcome here whenever she deigns to visit.
5: (laughs) She could never come down here. She abhors death. To venture so deep underground would be impossible for her.
2: Come sit. Hades guided her inside the castle, to a gilded throne, a piece of expert craftsmanship second only to his own. Persephone briefly wondered what long-dead architect Hades had pulled from the Depths to craft this chair.
3: You must be famished.
2: She was, but she did not wish to grant her kidnapper the satisfaction, so she shook her head.
3: No water even? No. I want you to be comfortable here. I won't lay a hand on you without your permission.
5: An easy thing to say when you've already taken me from my home.
3: Taken? You were given away freely by your father. I assumed you knew. Did you? Perhaps not. Perhaps I was afraid you'd dismiss me like all the other gods. And I knew I wanted your beauty beside me down here to bring some warmth to the land of the dead.
5: I do not want your hospitality. I want to go
3: home. This is your home now. And my hospitality will remain here, should you change your mind.
2: The Lord of the Underworld bowed to her and withdrew. Persephone sat, wondering what was to become of her. For the first time in her immortal life, she was alone. Miles above ground, Demeter had abandoned all her duties as goddess of the harvest and gone into self-imposed exile, shrouding herself in grief. In turn, crops had withered and the dirt grew brittle and impossible to farm. The mortals did not know how to react to the bitterly cold winds, so whole cities went silent, huddling to their fires in hopes that the chill would pass. When Demeter arrived at Eleusis, she appeared as a weak old woman, the daughters of Celius found her by the well, where she introduced herself as Doso, a woman from Crete. When they offered help, she asked only for work. The girls brought her to the palace, where Metanyra, Celius's wife, was struck by Demeter's warm presence and agreed to hire her without a second thought. Exhausted from having to care for an infant on top of four adolescent daughters, Metanyra had offered a lavish salary to Doso to mind her youngest child. Each night, when Metanyra and Celius went to sleep, they left their child with Doso. For brief moments, while cradling the child in her arms, Demeter was almost content.
4: Hush, child. Mm, there, there. I cannot wait to see you grow into a strong and handsome man, young Demophon.
2: Demeter wished to repay Celius's family for showing kindness to her. After minding the child for weeks, she made a decision. Demophone would receive the greatest blessing a god could bestow a human. Demeter would make him immortal. Every night when Metanyra and Celius went to sleep in their chambers, Demeter would pluck Demophone from his crib and anoint him with ambrosia. Then she breathed the breath of a goddess over him and placed him in the fireplace between the burning logs.
3: By the gods! How much did you grow last night? He looks strong as an ox, doesn't he,
2: Metanyra?
1: I knew there was something special about this woman. You must stay. I wouldn't dream of leaving.
2: But in the back of her mind, she knew. If she did not leave this family soon, they would die. Every day, the earth grew more barren, and she was beginning to doubt Zeus would give in. And the more she lived among these people, the more guilty she felt about the suffering her grief caused them daily.
4: Tell me, Celius, how do your people fare?
2: Not well. Our crops were ripe and ready to
3: harvest, but this... drought caught us off guard. I see. But do not worry, Doso. We have been praying and making sacrifices to the gods. Demeter, goddess of the harvest, will soon see our plight and make the crops bountiful again.
2: Disguised as Doso, Demeter hid a frown. She had no spirit to save their crops. Later that night, Demeter made Demophone a promise as she applied his nightly dose of ambrosia.
4: When you grow into a man, Demophon, I will pass on my knowledge through you, and your people will never know such hunger
2: again. Once again, she deposited the child into the flames.
1: What are you doing to my child?
2: Demeter whirled to see Metanyra in the open doorway, staring horrified at the fireplace. Up next, Demeter is forced to face her own negligence. Now, back to the story. Ah! Lost in her thoughts, Demeter hadn't noticed the queen. Before Demeter could react, Metanira dove for the fire and wrenched her baby free from the flames. Metanira couldn't hold on to her child and fell to the floor, clutching her own singed hands. Demophone lay on the floor, thrashing his legs helplessly in the air. What's going on? Celius appeared by the door, sword in hand. The sight before him was surreal. His wife cradling her injured hands, his baby rolling on the floor, and the nursemaid standing by the fire, looking aghast.
1: Doso was trying to burn Demophone alive. Is this true, Doso? Get rid of her. I never want to see her again.
4: Do not worry. You will never see me again.
2: And with that, Demeter cast aside her shawl, revealing her true form.
4: I am Demeter, goddess of the harvest. You have squandered my gift to you. Your son was to be an immortal. Now he will remain just a man, to wither and die like the rest of you.
2: Celius and Metanyra fell on their knees. Forgive us, Demeter of the Harvest, we did not know.
4: Ignorant humans, I can see now what is to become of your people. The people of Eleusis will fight each other in a great battle, and many will die.
2: Metanira was so shocked by Demeter's sudden transformation that she had completely forgotten about her child lying on the floor. But her daughters had heard his screams and rushed in to help their baby brother. When Demeter laid her eyes on the girls who showed her such kindness, her heart softened.
1: Is there anything we can do to appease you?
4: Erect a temple for me at the foot of your Acropolis. I appreciated your kindness when you knew me as Doso, but show me the respect I am owed now that you know my true name.
2: Celia's family did not hesitate. That morning, they began construction of Demeter's temple, which they placed on a prominent hill, so it would be the most imposing structure in all of Eleusis. When it was complete, they made burnt offerings to Demeter and prayed to her constantly to end the piercing cold. Demeter did not answer them. She lived in this lavish temple like a hermit. There was only one thing she wanted, and only one individual could grant it to her on the top of mount olympus zeus was in a bind he had brought thunder and rain to the earth in hopes of refertilizing the soil but without demeter the dry ground remained as unyielding as a rock all over the world people were starving and while he would never admit it to anyone zeus was afraid afraid of the deadly toll of demeter's grief As sacrifices grew more scarce, he was forced to wonder what was a god without anyone to worship him. Below the earth, Persephone was completely ignorant of the Cold War being fought over her. She had her own war of attrition to worry about. It was hard to tell how much time had passed in the darkness. She had given up searching for exits. Hades' palace was completely inscrutable, and every time she tried to leave, she found herself back in the throne room. Her hunger and thirst were deeper than ever, and her resolve was beginning to crack. After all, it wasn't so horrible down here. Hades was kind, and though he was unskilled at small talk, he was attentive to her needs as she allowed him to be. Once she got used to the lack of flowers, Persephone could even see a life for herself in the underworld. There was a strange, dark beauty to the place. And then, someone came to see her. Through her magical craft, Hecate, the goddess with three faces, had found her way deep into the underworld in her search for Persephone. Persephone was thrilled to see a familiar face in the gloom. Or, rather, three familiar faces.
1: Persephone! Are you okay? Has he hurt you? No, I'm fine. Were you sent by my mother? Well, your mother has not been seen in months. The earth has grown barren in her absence. Mortals are starving. Because of me? Because of Zeus and Hades. Because of their trickery and arrogance. Because they will not allow her to see you. Oh. Oh,
5: I've seen an alarming number of souls cross the river Styx. I thought it was common, but I suppose... Oh no. Why would my mother do mortals to this fate just
1: because of me? She loves you, Persephone. And that is the only kind of love Zeus respects. The kind that ravages and leaves bodies in its wake. Will he relent? It's hard to say. He's proud, but not stupid. He'll probably give in before everyone on Earth is dead. Can you get me out of here? I can. I can but I cannot promise safety from Zeus. He would capture you and send you back here the moment you see the sky.
5: Stay with me then. I need a companion or even just someone to talk to. Lord Hades is distant.
2: The goddess of crossroads found herself at a crossroads. She could either return to the blighted surface or stay below and help this poor stranded goddess.
1: I could never leave you behind.
2: And so Hecate took up residence in the underworld as Persephone's confidant. Hades entered Persephone's room one morning, or at least it felt like morning. Persephone had just awakened, but there was no sunlight to speak of in Hades' palace. The lord of the underworld wore his usual inscrutable expression.
3: Will you join me for breakfast?
2: I will not eat.
3: And I will not force you. All I ask is your company.
2: Persephone joined Hades in his dining room and had to bite her lip when she saw the feast laid out before her. Fruits and vegetables of all sorts lay in glimmering dishes of pure silver next to pitchers of ambrosia and nectar. The lord of the underworld was generous. But then again, she was his only guest.
3: You're looking much happier lately, Persephone. Having someone to talk to must be a vast improvement, especially when that someone has three faces.
5: You... knew?
3: Of course. I let Hakate through so you'd have a friend down below. I realized you needed more lively conversation. Oh. Why do you refuse to eat?
5: I will not eat until I rejoin my mother on the surface.
3: Of course. It is your right to feel this way.
5: Why didn't you ask for my hand the same way Apollo or Hermes did? Did you not want a bride who would come with you of her own free will?
3: You know the answer to that question. I've never taken a maiden down here, mortal or immortal. Mortals greet me with fear, immortals with disgust. I have spent so much time alone. I'm a stranger even to my own brothers. But I'd rather it be this way. Why? Would you rather have a husband like my brother Zeus, the god of thunder and ill-temper, who ravishes young maidens whenever it suits his fancy? Do you want to become Hera, a neglected bride constantly at war with the one she married? They're all alike up on Olympus. You knew this. I saw you reject Apollo and Hermes, and that rejection is why I fell in love with you.
5: Just because I could not love an Olympian does not mean I will love you.
3: Naturally. But there's one thing I have that you'll never find on the surface. What is that? Fidelity. There's no loyalty or integrity in the sky, the earth, or the sea. My brothers belong to the shifting clouds and the changing tides. Their passions as unpredictable as the realms they live in. But my domain is death. Death is a constant companion.
2: As Hades spoke, Persephone's eyes glided over the feast before her. Hunger tore at her stomach like a caged animal. She took up a pomegranate and held it in her hands, passing it from one to the other. Hades looked on, not touching any food himself. As they ate, Hermes, the messenger god, sped toward the earth from Zeus's palace. Following the exact same route Hades' chariot had taken only a few months ago, he passed into the underworld with no interruption.
0: Lord Hades!
3: Hermes, what can I do for you?
0: Your brother Zeus commands you release his daughter at once.
3: And which daughter would that be? My brother has so many it's hard to keep count.
0: The one you took to be your wife.
3: Ah, uh, yes. I'll inform her at once. Wait here while I go fetch her, will you?
2: Hades left the impatient Hermes waiting and traveled to his queen's chambers. He found her sitting deep in conversation with Hecate.
3: Your father has decreed you are to be released at once.
5: Are you going to do anything to stop me?
3: No. Go and be with your beloved flowers. I imagine they're missing you by now.
2: That moment, Persephone gave Hades the last thing he expected from her, a smile. A minute later, she was gone, leaving the Lord of the Underworld alone once again. Hermes carried Persephone to the surface as fast as his winged feet could carry them. When they burst onto the barren earth, Persephone was shocked by what she saw. The fields where she had seen the beautiful Narcissus were now only cracked dirt, and her breath formed clouds when she exhaled. This was unnatural. And then she saw her mother, the goddess of the harvest, appear over the nearest hill. The two of them met in the center of the plain in a loving embrace.
5: Persephone! I have missed you so. As have I. I will never leave your side again.
2: But as Persephone spoke, Demeter smelled something on her breath, a certain sweetness.
5: Did you eat anything while you were with him? Just a handful of pomegranate seeds. Why? You will leave my side. You'll have to. What?
4: Why? Food grown in the underworld is not like food on the surface. Only the subjects of the underworld can eat it safely. So, if you ate something, is there anything that
5: can be done?
0: I'm not sure. It was only pomegranate seeds?
5: Four. Four pomegranate seeds, to take the edge off my hunger and thirst.
2: Although Demeter bristled at the idea... They returned to Olympus for Zeus to decide the fate of his daughter. During the hearing, Hades made a rare appearance on Olympus. When she saw her daughter in the same room as the man who kidnapped her, Demeter felt a flood of rage. The feeling deepened when she saw her daughter exchange a look with the god of death. Was that affection she saw in her daughter's eyes?
4: Zeus, it was only four scenes. Please forgive the transgression.
3: Only four? Hmm. Then Persephone shall atone for only four months.
4: Four months! Many blessings,
3: Zeus. I was not finished. Four months of every year. For one third of the year, Persephone, you will dwell in the house of Hades, and the rest of the year you may live with your mother or wherever you see fit.
2: Once a year, Persephone would leave her mother and spend the four winter months at the side of Lord Hades, one month for every seed she'd eaten. During this time, Demeter grieved, and the world grew cold and unyielding. However, it was not a deathly drought like the first winter. Demeter kept her promise to young Demophone and passed on her knowledge of agriculture. Soon Persephone was happy during her months with Hades. She presided over the underworld as an equal to her doting husband. Whether winter or summer, Persephone found love in every season. Persephone's love story was the Greek explanation for winter, and why it was a fool's errand to try and plant crops during those months. Persephone was worshipped most as the cause of the seasonal change, but commanded just as much respect as ruler of the underworld. In this, she's something of an enigma amongst Greek goddesses. She's married to a powerful god, but her role is neither subservient or antagonistic to her husband. In fact, in many of the stories she appears in, she's treated as his respected equal. For instance, when the musician Orpheus sang his way down into the underworld to retrieve his beloved Eurydice, Persephone overrides her husband and gives the grieving poet a chance to retrieve his love. In another story, when Tiresias, the wisest man alive, died and went to Hades, she allowed him to keep his famed wisdom even in death. And, though this is rare in Greek myths, there's no infidelity between Hades and Persephone. Her presence alone was enough to soften Hades' cold heart, and she seemed to truly find love for him during her stay. To many, this made her a symbol of hope and mercy in the afterlife. Persephone found love for both Hades and Demeter, and thus gave the Greeks a model for appreciating both winter and summer, death, and life. Thank you for listening to Mythology. New episodes of Mythology come out every Tuesday, and you can listen to more Mythology and all of ParCast's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, or your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review while you're there. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Mythology is written by Robert Teamstra. The amazing cast of voice actors includes, by Alphabetical Order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Osteen, Kimberly Holland, Harris Markson, and Brooklyn Sarver. I'm Vanessa Richardson.